I, I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. There's a reason that I want to talk about that because I think it's important for us for perspective. Of course, we all know about the pilgrims. They came over in 1620 on the Mayflower, and the first winter they actually spent in the ship because they didn't have enough time to build houses. And the first Thanksgiving was in 1621. And that was the only time that they celebrated. And they didn't even call it Thanksgiving. It was just a feast. I'll tell you what I love. They decided that they wanted to give thanks to God for giving them this place in a new land. They didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have a lot of fresh food from the, from the crops. They didn't have a lot, but they had new opportunity. And they said, let's do something and thank God. And you know what they did to thank God? They ate. They had a feast. <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's God's way in the Old Testament to celebrate. They had feasts. They ate together. So that was just the way they did it. So they had a feast. And that was the only time that they did that. They didn't, it wasn't like they said, let's do this again next year. That was the only time they did that. Now, there were some presidents that had a day of Thanksgiving. George Washington was one that had a day of Thanksgiving. But there's a lady that petitioned the presidents through the years from... 1820 to 1860 until Abraham Lincoln finally declared Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And it became a part, regular part of our lives. On the first Thanksgiving, they had not only turkey and vegetables, but the Indians, the, the Native Americans that came brought venison. They had five deer that they went out and, and got. So they had venison too on Thanksgiving. What? They had venison. That was a... Deer were plentiful in, in those days, and so that's, that's what they... But they did. But the, we as a nation are incredibly blessed. There is no nation like this one. There hasn't been in the history of the world. For a nation to start um, declared independence in 1776, uh, drew up the Constitution in 1787, the Bill of Rights was added in 1791, and in less than 200 years became the most prosperous, most powerful nation on earth. That's unheard of. What what is that? And I know that God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't say, well, I'm just going to bless these people because I'm arbitrarily choosing to bless those people. But what is it about this country that has provided us such abundant blessing, prosperity? And um, I think there's reasons for that. I'm just going to discuss that a little bit uh, and make application. Psalm 33 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse's vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength that cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So God is watching. He watches nations. He watches to see people that fear him. But there's a reason. There's reasons why this nation is, is blessed. And I believe that we're blessed because at the founding of our nation, God and his truth were primary in the establishment of our government and in the establishment of our laws and the way that we proceeded. Um, our nation was um, based on Ten Commandments. It was based on 
the laws that God had written down. It was based on his truth and principles in his word. If we look back at Israel, Israel was not a democracy. It was a theocracy. And God's intention was for him to be the leader, the ruler. And early on, as they were established, it was the prophets and the priests who really led the nation. And it was in the time of Samuel when the people asked for a king. And they were, some of the folks were a bit concerned about that. God certainly was concerned about that. And Samuel said, they haven't rejected me, but they've rejected God as king. They've rejected God as their king. And now they want to be like every other nation. And they were unique in the fact that God directed them. God directed them uh, into war, into battle, who, who to fight against, who to conquer. And he was the one who set uh, the parameters for them, gave them the Old Testament law and everything. Our, our system of government is a constitutional republic, which means that we elect representatives to represent us on the federal level, on the state level, on the local level. And so um, it's a little bit different. But overall, our system is probably the system in the world that provides the most individual freedom for people because it's based on the Bible, which is kind of interesting. Um, One of the primary principles is the freedom of religion. We're able to, to practice religion any way that we choose. But so much of what the founders did was based on Scripture and biblical principles. Let me just show you one. In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, it says this. It says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. And what's so fascinating about that verse is that there you have the three branches of government. You have, you have the judicial, <clears throat> you have the legislative, and you have the executive. And so Israel, Isaiah was saying that this is, this is the proper way to have government, uh, the judicial, the legislative, and the executive, those three separate branches of government. That's what we have. We have the Supreme Court and all of the judges. We have um, the, uh, the legislative, which is the Congress, made up of the Senate and the House of Representatives. They're the ones that write the laws, make the laws. And then you have the executive, which on a federal level is the president. On a state level, it's the governor. And so you have this system in place. So the founders were very well aware of scriptural biblical principles, and they incorporated a lot of it into our system of government. Many of the buildings throughout the country, even in Washington and different state capitals, they have the Ten Commandments in some places engraved in stone in the wall. They made it a part of... uh, the way that we understand that we're to be ruled. And it's interesting, too, that in these three branches, there's a separation of power. There's no one that has all of the power. It's not a dictator. It's not a monarch, but it's a separated system of power so that they have to learn to work together and cooperate. And uh, it was set up so that the people had individual freedom. And one of the things that is so incredible about... At least for me, I mean, this is my personal opinion, <laughs> is that um, as, as they, they realized that government is necessary, that we had to have government, some form of government, but they understood that the freedom for an individual does not come from government, it comes from God. 
And rights that people have come from God, not from government. If they come from government, government can take those rights away. But if the people within a nation understand that their individual freedoms and liberties and privileges come from God, then that's a whole different thing. And there really is true freedom that way. Now, I think that all of these things have a bearing on how God looks at, at, a na- at different nations. But I'm going to make one more point. Um, it's not that he's arbitrary. God has given us laws to live by. And there are, I'm going to give you three categories of law that he kind of established when he created the universe. We have physical laws, we have moral laws, and we have spiritual laws. We can either follow those laws or we can ignore them. Right? It's, it's our choice. Okay, let's talk about physical laws for a minute. Physical laws are the, are the laws that, that regulate or, or rule man's relationship with nature, with creation, with everything that exists. So what are physical laws? Well, uh, gravity is one. And you can choose to ignore that law and climb up on your roof and clean out the gutters. Instead of going down the ladder, you can just jump off. And if it's two or three stories tall, you can say, well, I don't believe in gravity, but gravity's going to teach you differently. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. It's still going to enforce what it is, and you'll hurt yourself. Or you could be traveling in a car and not realize or think, well, I don't believe in these laws about that if I'm traveling at a speed that I can just stop and jump out the car when you're going 60 miles an hour. Whether you believe the law or not doesn't matter. The law is still there, okay? So those are physical laws. And there's a lot of physical laws that rule everything from chemistry to physics to science to all kinds of things. And so those, those have been established by God for us to live under. And as long as we follow those laws, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay when it comes to the physical laws. Now, there are moral laws as well. And those have been established by God to help us in our interactions with each other, in our relationships with other people. And again, we can obey those laws or we can ignore those laws. But just because we believe in them or don't believe in them doesn't mean that they don't impact us. Now, here's the interesting thing about moral law. Moral law, following moral law, is not is not necessarily dependent on whether someone's a believer or not. Let's just take a couple. They're married. They've been married for many years. They don't know Jesus as their Savior. But they follow God's moral law for a healthy marriage. They honor one another. They love each other unconditionally. And they have an amazingly wonderful marriage. But they don't know the Lord. And you can look at them and go, well, they're really good people. But they don't know Jesus. What's that about? It's because... They're obeying and walking and living in accordance with a moral law that God has established, and they're reaping the benefit of that, okay? It's just the way it is. Um, You could have a Christian couple, married, know Jesus as their Savior. They go to church all the time, involved in their church, and they have a lousy marriage because they violate some of the moral principles concerning marriage where they don't really love each other the way they should. They dishonor one another by being harsh and critical and bad-mouthing behind the back when they shouldn't be. And 
So they don't have such a good marriage. And so you look at these two couples, and you think, wow, here's a couple that doesn't know the Lord, and they just seem like terrific people. And then you look at these other folks over here, and they're Christians, and they go to church, but they, their lives are kind of messy. Why is that? Because it's possible to follow moral law, the moral laws that God's established, apart from knowing Christ as your Savior. You understand that? It's just they're, they're there. They're kind of like physical laws. They're there. They're, they're the way that God has designed everything. Then there are spiritual laws that affect our relationship with God. And again, you can ignore the, the, the laws and suffer the consequences. And the, 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 the uh, phys- spiritual laws have to do with our relationship with God and whether we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. We understand that we've got a problem with sin and that Jesus died on the cross, paid for those sins, and by faith in him, we can be born again, we can be born anew, we can be reborn, made into new creation, and have, an established, have a relationship established with God the Father through faith in Jesus. And so we understand that. You can ignore that. You can say, well, I don't need God in my life. Many people do. But that doesn't mean that the laws don't exist. My belief or lack of it doesn't affect the law, right? My belief in gravity or my disbelief in gravity doesn't change gravity, does it? Or its influence and impact on me. Same with the spiritual laws. Has no effect. My belief has no effect. I've got to abide by the laws. Now, here's the principle. Here's the point that I want to make. We can look at things as being God's blessing or not as blessing, but do you realize that if we follow God's laws, physical laws, if we follow God's moral laws and we follow God's spiritual laws, that because he's established those laws, if we walk in accordance with it, we're going to look like people that are specially blessed, right? Without God having to necessarily do anything intervening. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like if we... if God created us and he knows how we work. He knows what's best for us. He knows how life works best. And he says, here, I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. Why does he give us the Ten Commandments? Because he wants to restrict us? No, he wants to give us freedom. He wants to give us the parameters with which to work in so that we can experience life to its fullest without the heartache, the heartbreak, and all the things that go with it in violating those principles. So if I follow his laws and the principles of his word... I'm going to be blessed without him having to scoop out extra blessing on top of me, right? He can do that, and sometimes he does. But he doesn't have to do that if I follow his principles. So when I look at our nation, and I look at how it was established, and I look at the principles that our, that our country was built on, and the fact that the men, many of the men were godly men, they understood relationship with God, and they incorporated scripture and biblical principles into the founding of the country, there was, no, there was no way that blessing wouldn't be poured out on our nation. There was no... It, see, because, of, because they were coming into alignment with so many of the laws that God had established that are just there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so as we... You know, we're 200 years, more than 200 years down the road, and you see our nation slipping away. You see us losing some of our freedoms and, and uh, our country to a certain extent, turning away from the principles of the Bible. We're, morally, we're, we're turning away, and we see the things um, deteriorating, and we realize that we may be losing some of our freedoms. Um, 
And that's disconcerting because we started out so well. I understand, you know, uh, the founders said that this system of government should be pretty good, but as long as it has people in it, it's subject to corruption. <laughs> and, um, and they said, as long as the people have a sense of morality, we'll be okay. But when they give up that, that stance on morality, when they, when they begin to do things contrary to God's moral laws, then we're going to run into trouble. And I think that's what we see. Um, you know, we, even when it comes to church government, we've talked different times about church government. What's the right kind of government to have in church? Because you need some kind of order, some kind of structure, whether it's pastor-led or whether it's elder-led or whether it's congregation-led. You can have argument either way. And whenever I've gotten into a discussion where somebody really feels strongly it has to be one way, I'll say, well, you know what? As long as there are people running it, <laughs> none of them are any good long-term because it seems like eventually if it's pastor-led, sometimes you get a bad pastor, or, you know, and it just pulls it down. And other times it's congregation-led and you get people in there that just pull it the wrong way and it's just we're people. You know, we're people and no system is perfect. The only system... That is perfect is the one that Jesus is going to establish when he comes back the second time. That's going to be perfect government. And I'm looking forward to that. But that doesn't mean that we can't move forward in that direction and try to to, um, maintain it. I believe that what we need in our country, in the situation that we're in now, we find ourselves seemingly seeing this slip away. We need a spiritual awakening revival. And it's what we're praying for, and I believe that God's going to send it. It's the only thing that can turn things around and move things in the other direction is a powerful move of God. And I don't believe judgment is the answer because uh, judgment, from what I've read and understood, judgment, I mean, people talk about judgment, but judgment has never um, straightened things out. <laughs> it just wrecks things. Uh, and so I believe that what we need is an outpouring of God's Spirit. So that's why, what, what I'm praying for and what I'm uh, wanting to, to see happen. Okay, let me see where I am. Oh, my gosh, I did all that without looking at my notes. What we need, what we need is a careful balance. And what, what I think the founders established was a careful balance between freedom and, and government. We need government. We need laws. We need to keep order in society because there are always those that don't want to follow the rules to their own advantage. And in order to protect the rights of individuals, there need to be laws established. Now, certainly, um, the Lord, as we we can understand from the Old Testament, that he loves fairness. He loves fairness. Um, One of the pictures that they use in Old Testament describing that is don't use unjust weights and measures, unjust scales, um, which had to do with when, when they had commerce back then, you, they sold grains, they sold barley and wheat in and, and bags, and what you did is you weighed it. And everybody had a pouch with, whether it was stones or rocks or some kind of weight, that was supposed to be have have been measured and weigh a certain amount so that when you went to the grain you put your weight on the scale and you put the grain on and if it balanced out that's how much grain you got 
well, if you're buying grain, you'd like to have a heavier weight to get more grain. And if you're selling, you'd like a lighter weight so that so it works. For, and so, G, so the Lord said, listen, don't have unfair weights and measures. Don't have unjust. Have it right and do it right and be fair and honest with each other, which is God's character. It's his character. And it's what he wants. And so that's what he wants for us. And so the way our system was set up was, was to, um, to be fair. But here, here, here's the issue that I want to talk about when it comes to um, Thanksgiving as we approach the holiday. Just having said all that and why I think that we're blessed, I really believe that it's because our nation was so firmly founded on Scripture, and we, need to, we really need to do what we can to maintain that um, in prayer and in um, appealing to heaven for revival. But what can you do personally when you, when you approach the Thanksgiving season? What can you do personally so that in your own life you see the blessings of God come? And it's not just in the area of um, the physical, moral, spiritual laws that I've outlined very briefly. That was a real quick run through. But I think it has to do with the whole purpose of Thanksgiving was giving thanks to God for what we have. The attitude of gratitude, being thankful. We don't realize, maybe we don't realize how important that is, but Artie and I have really made it a point in our walk with the Lord and our relationship with, us, with, uh, with each other to be thankful, to, to thank God, to thank Him for the things that come. Be thankful to Him even when things come that are tough. And that doesn't mean that we thank Him for the tough things, but we thank Him for who He is and how He's going to help us through it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And so why would you do that when, th- when difficult things come your way? How can you thank God for that? And it's not that you're thanking him for the particular thing, but you're thanking him because an attitude of gratitude welcomes his presence into the middle of that situation. There are bad, nasty things that happen to us. And if we get angry and if we get upset, then we're, then we're joining ourselves. We're, we're holding hands with the enemy and saying, yeah, I want more of that. But when difficult things come, when hard things happen, and we thank God and we praise him, we're opening up the atmosphere for God to bless us and to, for him to come in and to get involved in the situation. And so what do you want? And I know that when hard things come, sometimes it's the little annoying things where it's hard to be most thankful for because you don't really think about it. Sometimes when the big, huge things come, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is so painful. I think, all right, Lord, I praise you. But it's the, the little things. Like, what do I do with my keys? Where's my phone? I put my phone down. Where is it? Did I leave it in the car? Artie, call my number. See if it rings. Try to find it where it is. Where is it? I can't believe it. And you can get mad over not being able to find your phone. And what's, if we learn to have an attitude of gratitude and thank the Lord, just thank him, say, God, I praise you. It's amazing. You know, isn't it amazing? I mean, you must do this. When, you, when, you've, when you've frustrated every avenue and you can't find those stupid keys and you finally say, Holy Spirit, 
I need your help. I'm late. I got to go. Please help me. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Doesn't that happen? Or a thought comes, Kent, you had a different jacket on. It's in the coat pocket. Oh, man. Walk into the, reach in the coat pocket. There they are. Oh, man. <laughs> See, you, if you let the, everything else build up in you, you can't, think, you can't hear the Lord. You can't hear him. Because you're getting anger in the way. And so a thankful attitude of gratitude opens up. Okay. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Which really means don't fear because fear is sin. If the Bible says don't do it and we do it, then it's sin. Okay? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You have no idea how important that is. No idea how important it is to have a thankful attitude. Second Chronicles chapter 21, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You just need to have those little phrases handy. <laughs> and you can even say it through your clenched teeth. I'm telling you, it's okay to say it through your clenched teeth if that's the way you have to say it. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And just keep doing it until things relax and you realize that his love endures forever. And that it's going to be all right because he's going to work it out because you're beginning to open the door for his presence to come into the situation. The enemy is always trying to separate us from God's love. Now, he can't. But he can in my mind, and he can in my, in my soul. He can get me to turn away, and he's going to keep doing that all the time. And I'm telling you that an attitude of gratitude, a thankful heart, won't allow it to happen. Psalm 118.1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then this psalm that just repeats it over and over again. We're only going to look at three verses. Psalm 136, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. We can see all kinds of things around us going downhill. And we can grumble and complain and moan and whatever. But I'm telling you that God wants to bless Above and beyond. And, I'm, and the way that we tap into that blessing is by having an attitude of gratitude, giving thanks, giving thanks. You know what? How about this one? Try this one on for size. You don't even have to have something bad happen to you in order to give God thanks. You don't have to wait till things go bad. You can do it before it happens. How about that? And just get in the habit of being thankful. And praising the Lord. And just build up that atmosphere of a person who is thankful. Guess what? If you become a truly thankful person toward God, people are going to wonder what's wrong with you. <laughs> in a really good way. They will. They will. What is up with you? What is up with you? I notice people like that. I don't always do so well myself. But I know there are people where you just, and it's not necessarily just their personality. They're just happy, and you never hear 
a nasty negative word come out of their mouth. And you've been through the fire with them sometimes. Why? Because they've developed an attitude of thankfulness, of thanksgiving. That is a part of who they are. It's not just something that they do once in a while. It has actually become part of who they are. There's no way that we can have a truly thankful heart toward God. It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. You can't have a really thankful attitude toward God and not have it affect how you live. It's going to change how you act. Our relationship with God is that dynamic. It's that powerful that when we walk in conjunction with his spiritual laws, it changes who we are. It changes us. And you know what happens when you make a habit out of being thankful that you don't even have to think about it after a while. It just comes out that way. Kind of like this. Some people, if you think of your, of your soul as a bucket, think of a bucket full of water. What's your bucket full of? Some people have a bucket that's full of anger. And right up to the brim, there's anger. And they, they can hide it, but you just bump that buck a little bit and anger spills out. Some people, you just have to brush by them and anger comes out. I want to be somebody where they can come up to me and they can grab my bucket and they can turn it upside down and dump it all out and all they get is love. Wouldn't that be amazing?